Welcome to Art Life Conversations, where we talk about all things art life, from the struggles and the wins along the way, to making art, learning, and art history, to talks on business, career, and selling art. No matter where you are on your art journey, here you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and motivation as Kelly shares the real life of a working artist. And now, your host, Kelly Folsom. Hello, my art friends. Hi, artists. Welcome back. You're back here at another Art Life Conversations podcast. I'm so happy to be here with you today on this very chilly, snowy February morning. (laughs) It's 2022. I still can't believe it. So today we are going to be talking about a very important topic, of course, related to art life and in this case, our art business. Um, So today's subject is on stop pricing your artwork on these three things. So I was recently having, um, there was recently a discussion being had in one of my um, artist groups, the Art Life School uh, Facebook group, and it was all on pricing. And we all know how figuring out how to price our work can be super tricky um, and sometimes very anxiety-ridden and very confusing, right? Because for some reason, as humans, we get very hung up around the money thing. Um, and I have been there. I can totally, um, all these three things I'm going to give you, I can tell you that I have priced my work based on every, well, two of the three. I never did the one of the three, but I have made these same mistakes around pricing my artwork. And I understand what a psychological battle it can be right, to price our artwork. So um, I want to help you with that today. Um, So that's what we're talking about. Super juicy. Um, I just so if you're new to me, just so you know, um, I went to art school in 2007, graduated in 2011, began to um, immediately start to sell my work even before I graduated um, in my last year of art school. And so I've been dealing with this pricing issue, you guys, for a long time long time. (laughs) And I am a lower middle class girl, meaning I was raised in a very, uh, you know, working class uh, household. Um, and, And when I say lower middle class, I mean, there was times whenever we were at the poverty level. Um, So I say that because our money story, our personal money story, how we were raised, the the um, the environment that we were raised in, greatly greatly affects us as artists, and um, can determine how we price our artwork if we let it and if we don't uh, basically transcend um, that past. You know those past experiences and even past limiting beliefs around money, um, our perception of money, our current perception of money, right? So um, I'm just sharing that with you so that you do understand a little bit about me and my backstory. I do not come from money. (laughs) I have worked very, very hard to even get any money at um, this age and 
at my stage in my life at age 42. And I have overcome so many limiting beliefs around the money uh, topic. Um, So I'm sharing that with you so that you know, like I have empathy for this, uh, for these problems, and I have dealt with these problems and issues, and you know what? It's still something that I deal with and still work on, and still work on it, you know? Um, I still experience resistance, um, a lot of resistance when it comes to raising my prices on either my paintings or my services. Um, and, and really getting clarity around, you know, what price that should be. Okay, so to cover the three things, these are the three things that you should not be pricing your art, you know, so based on. So based, do not price your artwork based on these three things. Number one is kind of a simpler one, but it is something that I've heard and something that got brought up in our Art Life School Facebook group, and that is pricing your work based on the cost of your materials. Or you could also say the amount of time. So either pricing based on the time spent on that painting or the cost of your materials. Um, One of the artists in particular had shared in the group that she was given the advice to um, price her artwork uh, like four times greater than the cost of her materials. What? (laughs) What is happening? What is going on? No, this is such, such bad advice, such a bad formula. I hope if any of you are doing that right now that you toss that uh, formula out the window, please. And the reason why is I really want you to, um, you know, think about it. Like, can you feel that if you price your artwork like that, um, that you are going to be severely limiting your financial, your ability to, your ability to be financially um, successful and to grow financially if you stick with that formula, okay? Um, number one, art materials are not that expensive. And let's say if you are going with that formula, one thing you might start doing is like buying more and more expensive materials so that you can raise your paintings, <laughs> the price of your paintings higher, you know, and then basically you're just increasing your uh, your uh, your cost of goods, right, at that point, um, and decreasing your, your profitability, decreasing your profit range. Um, so that is not a good suggestion, not a good recommendation at all. Um, and then if you're basing the price of your paintings based on time, um, that's another, you know, faulty way to price because, you know, what if you are, you know, you've gotten so good at your skill set and you can actually work faster and you complete paintings faster, Um, Are you going to price your paintings less? Like the amount of time, no, you're not. You're not, or you shouldn't be. (laughs) So the amount of time that you are investing into a painting has nothing, zero, has zero to do with the actual value of that painting, okay? So I really want, I'm gonna say that again. The amount of time or money, cost of goods that you invest into a painting has nothing to do with the value of your painting. 
Can you really like feel that to be true? Um, so the, the, um, the, the faultiness of that methodology of pricing based on time investment could also be, you know, I've known artists to, you know, uh, say that they spend, you know, weeks on a work of art. Nobody cares how much time you're investing. Nobody cares if you invest eight hours or if you invest 80 hours. They only care, your customers only care about the end result. They only care about the quality and the value of that work of art. And does it fulfill a desire for them? Does it solve a problem for them? Does it fill a need for them in their life? That's what they're paying for. That's what they value. They value what your art brings to their life. You know, how it helps them feel better or uh, makes their home more beautiful. You know, it's all based on what is the desire that's being fulfilled and how much do they value that desire being fulfilled. It has nothing to do with how much time or the cost, your cost of goods. Okay, so those are, those are, you know, two, one in the same, in my opinion, like if you're pr pricing based on your cost of goods or pricing based on time investment. And listen, all of us, you know, as independent um, solopreneur artists, let's say, um, we really have to get away from the idea of trading time for money. Again, this is a very kind of middle class, working class, um, mentality where you know you go and you clock in and you get paid by the hour, right? Um, that is not the mentality that we want to have as a solopreneur artist at all. Um, so you want to be pricing based on the value of your work, not by the hour or cost of goods. Okay, number two, and this is really a big, big one, right? And the number two way that you do not want to be pricing your artwork is based on other artists' prices, okay? Um, first of all, can you just stop looking at other artists? <laughs> can, you stop, can you stop making all your decisions based on what everybody else is doing? Please stop it. Please, please, please stop it. Stop looking at other artists for everything. Start, stop comparing yourself to other artists. Make your own decisions. Get your own inner clarity. Listen and feel to your own inner wisdom, your own inner clarity about the value of your artwork. Um, but this happens a lot, and I can tell you that I experienced this as well. And it really, really held me back and kept me from, you know, basically I was underselling and, uh, you know, underpricing uh, my artwork. So it was really limiting me financially, big time. Um, so when I first started out, I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll look, what am I, how am I going to price my work? And I started looking at other artists and how they were pricing, and it was like all over the map, right? And it was really hard to figure out, like, well, why did they price their painting that way? And then how do I, how, do, how does the quality of my art compare to the quality of their art? And so I did this too, where I looked at, okay, well, so such and such artists, 
has been in the field for 20 years, 30 years. They are so renowned, you know, and their price, their price point is at like $30,000, $40,000 for a painting. And then this other person over here who I was studying with, she also has had more experience with than me. And I think, I feel like her work is better than mine, you know, so I need to make sure I price under her as well, you know. And so that's how, when I first started, that's how I, based my decision on my pricing was I looked at these other female artists that one who I was studying with occasionally and the other one who I had like so much you know reverence for her work um and I was like I'm obviously not as good as them <laughs> it basically is what it boiled down to um, because I did not feel as good as them, both as both um, in the quality of my work and as a person. I felt like that they had it all together and I was just a newbie and I was just starting out. And my work really isn't that good, you know, and so I really way underpriced and undercharged for my worth based on my lack of self-worth, really. Um, so the other hang up with this is group thinking, um, especially if you are in a part of, you know, a part of like an artist community or an artist group. This was part of the discussion that came up in the Art Life School group um, this last week. Um, somebody was saying, well, you know, um, I feel like I need to charge more than $2 a square inch for my paintings. Um, but you know, I keep hearing everybody say, charge $2 a square inch for your paintings. And I was like, $2 a square inch? Oh my gosh, you know, I would be broke. I would be so broke if I charged $2 a square inch. So I was really curious about like, well, where did this $2 a square inch come from? And so come to find out it was that, you know, a lot of the artists in this, um, a lot of the artists in her community um, her her local artist community, um, or perhaps it was an online group, I'm not sure, but basically she's a part of a group of artists and she was asking for, probably asking them for um, ideas and how do you guys price your work and um, how much do you charge for your work, you know, and that kind of thing. And all these artists were coming back saying, uh, you know, $2 a square inch. <laughs> And um, the problem with this, of course, is that, uh, you know, whenever you do that, whenever you just go along with like whatever the group is doing um, and you try to fit into that group, you know, a couple of things can happen. You could either be way overpricing your work uh, or you could be way under, in this case, way undercharging and underpricing your work, right? Um and the other thing is, is that then you're very limited by that group's mentality, by that group of peers. You know, if if that group of peers is led by, a, you know, feelings of scarcity, um, fears of playing it big, let's say, and really just, you know, if they're limited and they're thinking, and you're going along with what they're doing and what they think, then you're going to be limited too, you know, so... It's one thing to, you know, do research and kind of, you know, look at the market and see what everybody's charging and be more objective about it. But I find that especially whenever artists are in like a group like that, the tendency is more like to want to fit in. 
you know, and not want to offend anybody and not want to be looked at as if, oh, well, boy, haven't you gotten too big for your britches? You know, it's like, <laughs> who do you think you are charging that amount for that? And I will say, if that happens to you, then I highly recommend that you find a new group of peers. You may have outgrown that group of peers. They are um, so much more limited in their beliefs and their thinking and what they want for themselves in this life. And so it may just be time for you to find a new group of peers to belong to. Um, so you always want to surround yourself with people who have like, you know, more of that unlimited thinking and have a bigger mindset and a bigger thinking perhaps than than you even have currently because they can pull you up and they can bring you up. But if you're just staying like in a small-minded group who is um, driven by scarcity mentality and limited, you know, small thinking beliefs, then um, you're going to be influenced by that group. It's just human nature. And some of us are more susceptible to that than others just based on our personalities. Um, people who really are very much all about relationships and wanting to fit in um, will be more susceptible to that than others. Um, rebels will usually be less susceptible to that or people who have like high self-assurance in their personality type, um, like myself, will be less susceptible to that as well. Um, so it can really depend on your personality um, it, you know, as to how detrimental that can be to you. I mean, let's face it, all of us want to fit in, right? Like all of us want to be liked. All of us want to fit in. We want to have friends. We want to have relationships. We just have to be super careful about who we pick for that. And we also have to be aware that there's going to be times in life where we outgrow those relationships and it's like time to um, either let those relationships evolve differently or it's time to outgrow them and move on and build some new relationships. Okay, so do not price your artwork based on other artists' pricing or what other artists think uh, your art should be priced on. Um, because here's the deal, like your pricing really needs to be an energetic match for you. You need to feel 1000% worthy of receiving that money. You need to look at that price and be able to own it and know that if you get paid that for that painting, number one, you're going to be overjoyed um, and so grateful to receive that money, but also not feel like you were overpaid right? Like feel like this was an equal and fair exchange between me and the buyer. So it really has to be an energetic match for both you and the buyer. It really has to be a win-win for both of you. So you can't feel, if you feel resentment after you sell a painting, uh, it's probably because you charge too little for it, right? If you feel like, um, you know, if you feel like you have to give that person who just bought your painting uh, a back rub and a foot rub and send them all kinds of special gifts and, and say thank you a million times, it's probably because you charge too much <laughs> for the painting, which I would say rarely happens for most of us. Um, uh, most of us, we tend to undercharge rather than overcharge. Um, okay. So the third thing that you... Uh, 
what to stop pricing your artwork based on is what you would spend, <laughs> right? What, what you think you can afford or what you um, would spend on something or what you think your buyer can't afford. So, so often we price based on our own, our own life, our own reality, our own experience in terms of, um, we see that number on our painting and, and, um, it's maybe such a big number and because maybe because we have, um, some low self-esteem or maybe a lower sense of self-worth, um, we think there is no way in hell anybody is going to pay that for this painting, right? Um, and so if you do think that and feel that way, that will probably be your outcome. You know, if you really don't feel that your painting is worth that, then you will raise your prices, but it's the belief underneath that is still um, basically creating your reality. So you're going to keep creating that um, experience for yourself until you're willing and able to overcome those limited beliefs, right, around the money. But I say so many artists do this, and I've done it myself, where um, a certain dollar amount, let's say $5,000, is such a huge amount of money to us, perhaps, you know, and then, for example, I might go to, let's say, Neiman Marcus website and I'm looking at dresses and I'm dreaming about, you know, maybe a dream dress I'm going to be able to buy one day. And I see like a just a pretty normal dress that's got a five thousand dollar price tag on it. So and it's kind of it's like a, an awakening of, wow, there's somebody out there who's just going to pay five thousand dollars for that dress that doesn't really seem you know, like there's no way I would ever pay $5,000 for that dress. I might pay $100 for it, $200 for it maybe. From my perspective, from where I'm at in this life, from the amount of money I make, but I would never pay $5,000 for that dress. But there is somebody out there, many people out there, many women out there who would gladly pay that and see the value and worth. They fully value that dress and they have no problem paying the $5,000 to get that dress. And so it's a similar thing. Like you yourself might not be able to pay $5,000 for a painting as the artist, right? But there is somebody out there who is. There is somebody out there and, and you're just like that, that, uh, that fashion designer who created that beautiful dress, right? Like you've created something so beautiful and so valuable that they are going to be gladly and happily, you know, able to pay for, you know, they're not even going to question it. They're not even going to question the amount, you know, they're just like, oh my gosh, I've been waiting to, I've been looking for a painting like this for Ever and it's going to fit perfectly right here in my home and it just speaks to me and I love it so much and every time I look at it it's just like oh, an emotional soulful massage a massage to my soul you know um, so we have to really understand that we are not our clients we are not our uh, collectors and our buyers right like we're we're two different people and they they have a different kind of life, a different kind of lifestyle, let's say, and they are looking for different things to that will fill those desires, you know, um, for them. So you can't ba you can't price based on what you think you can afford. 
what you would pay, you know, as an art collector. So let's say if as an artist, if you, you know, saw a piece of art that you really loved from another artist, you know, you probably have a limit as to what you could spend. Like you might be willing to pay $500, $1,000, I don't know. You'll have to look within yourself to see like what that price limit is for you. Okay, but we all kind of have that, you know, in our minds. Um, so, you know, I've paid, you know, a couple thousand dollars for a painting from, you know, artists that I like their work and that spoke to me. But that, so that's kind of like my upper limit right now in terms of what I feel, you know, is worthwhile to pay and what I feel like I can afford. Um, and it seems reasonable to me to spend that, right? Um but I am not my buyer. I am not my collector. So I can't price my art based on my own, what I'm willing to spend on. Okay. So that's the last thing that, you know, you want to make sure that you are not pricing your art based on that, what you can afford. And a lot of times we just project our own, we think like everybody else is having the same experience as us, right? We think, we think, cause, and a lot of times because we don't know anybody else, in our immediate circles that are having a different experience or are at a different income bracket or would, you know, spend um, that amount. So again, you also have to be careful about, you know, projecting your own reality, your own experience into somebody else's because they might, they are coming from a totally different place than you. They could also be at a totally different stage in their life where, you know, maybe, maybe they're retired or older. They've invested their money well all their life. And now, you know, now they have the ability to buy art for the first time, you know, things like that. You have, you can't look at your buyers like they are you and like they are having the same experience as you. And that's also another danger of the the group think, right? Like the just looking at your peers and just looking at your group. Because I've also uh, read in some of the discussions that we've had behind the scenes in the Art Life School, um, some artists saying, you know, that non-artist peers have also expressed concern about their pricing or maybe suggested that, that wow, that's really expensive, you know. But these are these are not your buyers. These are not your collectors. So why are you even listening? <laughs> why are you even taking any of that to heart? Like they're never going to buy your art anyway because they don't value art. They don't value it enough to spend the price tag that you have on your art. But somebody else does. So too many times we're just listening to the wrong people. You know, and we're in the wrong heads and we're either our own head or other artists' head and other artists' thoughts and beliefs or non-artist friends, you know, or family members um, who always have an opinion to share, right? And that's fine. Like they can share their opinion, but that doesn't mean that they're right. And it also does not mean that you have to listen to them, right? So I'm going to leave you with that today, the three things that you want to stop pricing your artwork based on them. Stop pricing your artwork based on those three things. Um, your cost of goods or time investment, other artists' prices, or what you yourself or family or non-artist, uh, not even non-artist, non-collector, I would say, peers, non-art collector peers can or would spend on a painting. So please, 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 all these things are 
irrelevant to the value of your painting to your art collector. Okay. All right, my friends, I will um, talk to you at the next Art Life Conversations podcast. Be sure to send me an email at info at artlifewithkelly, K-E-L-L-I dot com. Let me know your feedback, your thoughts, your insights from this podcast, and any discussions or topics you'd like me to talk about in the future or questions you would like me to answer in the future. And I'll see you next time. Happy painting. Bye.